mindfulness mode. Anger is like my favorite emotion, it seems. I tend to lean toward anger first. Mindful Tribe, we're here today to talk about boundaries. And I'm here with an author, a teacher, a speaker. Her focus is on boundaries and their benefits. And that's a book she's written, which is all about boundaries. And she has quite an interesting life. She's been an enthusiastic cosmetologist for 24 years. She's interested in reading, writing, and painting. So we'll be talking about that. And her book is a biblically based book. It's called Believing in Boundaries. That's her new book. So I'm here today with Stephanie Jordan. Stephanie, are you in mindfulness mode today? Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, and I'm I'm very happy to be here with you too and so interested to talk to you about your book about boundaries. But first, what does mindfulness mean to you, Stephanie? Mindfulness is to be aware of yourself and how you interact with others and the impact that that has on your current corner of the world to me. Right, interesting. Well, I'm interested in your life and what happened in your life that took you to the place that you wanted to write a book about boundaries? Well, I came into adulthood not knowing anything about boundaries at all. Um, I grew up in the punk rock scene and I had very unhealthy friendships, very unhealthy relationships, and I was young and it was just all about fun. And we did have a lot of fun, but there were not a lot, any boundaries. Right. And I ended up marrying an alcoholic when I was 21, my parents were teetotalers, so I had never grown up around alcohol or alcoholism, and I did not realize what that meant, right? Like how damaging it is. And so um, he and I got pregnant, and he ended up beating me up when I was pregnant with my son. And I said, God, if you'll get me and my baby out of here alive, I'll never come back. And I tried to work the marriage out for two years, but he was never going to get help. He was never going to go and do anything to get better. Mm -hmm. And so I still at that point didn't know my part in this cycle. Right. So God delivered me of that marriage um, two years after the abuse had happened. I never lived with him again. Mm -hmm. Um but I tried to work the marriage out because I was very serious. I mean, I loved him. I absolutely sure. loved him. And I take my covenant seriously. I take my vows seriously. And um, so God delivered me out of that marriage in August of 2003. And then he called me into my marriage with my husband, Jay. And we got married in June of 04. And... I still had no idea about boundaries and Jay ended up having a relapse. He was clean when we got married, but he had been a drug addict earlier in his life. And that was the beginning of me going to an Al-Anon group okay. because I was all pulled together. Right. I was like, I was okay. So 
And what about your son? Was your son okay? Yes, he was okay. Um, Nothing happened to my pregnancy. Thankfully, he's 21 years old. Okay. And, um, and smart and amazing and praise God he was okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And I have a 20 year old, 21 year old son as well. So. Oh, they're, they're interesting. They're like toddlers with no control at that age. It seems. <laughs> yes. It's interesting being a parent of a 21 year old, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You're like, wait, don't, don't do that. I, oh. I did some of those dumb decisions. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has its own challenges. And so then what happened? So once I started going to these meetings, I was like, huh, maybe I'm playing a role in this. Like, maybe this does have something to do with me. And I was kind of like, oh, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to hear that, huh? <laughs> no, uh-uh. I didn't. I didn't want to take ownership of what I didn't think was my problem. Right. 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 That's somebody else's problem. Yeah. Exactly. I was pulled together. I had a job. I was the one that was all okay. And that was the beginning of understanding that I didn't know how to relationship. Right. And that kind of set me on a trajectory of having to heal, um, recognizing my own issues, my own faults. And how does that play into my decision-making, my relationship building, who I'm around, who I choose to spend my time with? And that, that was the beginning baby infant stages of the birthing of Believing in Boundaries. Right. I see. I see. And then uh, what was this uh, book writing process like because i know you wrote a book in 2011 a dose of reality and this is your second book i believe so is this a something that really lights you up to write a book and put it out there for the world to read you know i've written my whole life oh have you? um i have i have i have songs that i wrote in elementary school and poems i've processed with poetry and writing my whole life so really it's always been a part of me um a dose of reality was kind of and i didn't tell anybody i was even writing it i Uh think it was kind of god took me through a process of learning to finish what i start Uh with a dose of reality and that was back, um, you know, before even like computers were big, but it wasn't like it is now. Right. right. And so I hand wrote that whole book and then went back and retyped it. And it, it was really just it was such a beautiful lesson of finishing what you start. Your message can matter. And I still am very proud of that book. Um, Right now, you can't get it on print except through me personally, but I do intend on adding some things to it and relaunching it. Oh, do you? Yeah, I want want to have it out there because I still think the message is valid. I see. 
Okay. And uh, you've spent a lot of your life as a cosmetologist. Tell us about that, the work you do in that field. Interestingly, cosmetology has really been the avenue by which God has trained me with people. Mm -hmm. um, communication is one of our like biggest parts of our, our career. And I've noticed as the season has gone on, I've been a hairstylist for over 25 years now. Um, boundaries are more and more important. And I'm seeing with young stylists, they have no concept of boundaries with clients and how to um, have healthy relationships with their clients. They have strong guilt complexes. And I remember feeling that like I felt guilty that I couldn't get a client in before Christmas because they didn't book ahead of time. Mm. And I would stay late and miss things with my kids and do all this sort of stuff to accommodate people because I didn't know how to set boundaries for myself. So really, the this journey being a hairstylist has been a huge learning ground for me for relationships and communication and what I can and cannot um, handle that has even helped me in my own personal life. Right, right. Stephanie, can you be specific about something that you would say to your client that is related to boundaries when you're dealing with a client? Okay, so I can give you, um, to me, this is probably the best one. Um, so I have like a consultation form that you fill out, uh, or a release form for color. Mm -hmm. And on that release form, one of the things that I have in there is that if you go and touch your hair after I have done it, then I, it releases me of any responsibility and that I can only guarantee the color if you use shampoos and conditioners that you get from me. Okay. And the reason is, is because hair is chemistry mm -hmm. and color is chemistry and shampoo is chemistry. So once you start mixing and matching chemistry that you have no education on, no clue about, you can create a hot mess for me and I will not be your scapegoat mm -hmm. <laughs> for getting out there and doing science hair. You know, so that's one of the strong boundaries I've had to create over the years with clients, just because if you go and, you know, stick a purple shampoo on top of a blonde and now your hair is gray, I never recommended that shampoo. So uh, okay. it may not seem like a big deal, but to remove it out of the hair, which is a porous body part that will mm -hmm. fall off you need to have some some guidance there. So right. that's one of the boundaries I've had to make with. And have you ever had clients come back? I'm sure you probably have and and complain or uh, you know, make a big fuss about something that really wasn't your fault. Oh yeah, I owned a storefront for 8 years. Okay. <laughs> with with a large staff. So yes, I have dealt with plenty of unhappy clients. Um I mean, really, I would just have to walk through the situation. So for my junior staff, we actually got to the point where we had the clients sign a form before they left the salon saying whether they were happy with their service or not. Oh. For the simple, 
because that's a, that's a good idea. There is this concept of buyer's remorse with hair, right? So, um, and a lot of people don't understand that we can actually charge you for stealing services. So that means if you go and get your hair done and you don't pay for it, we can actually have you like put charges against you for it. Oh, really? Yes. And it's called theft of services. And so people think that um, they can come in and get a service and then call you back and be like, well, I don't like what you did. You know, now that I've gotten in my bathroom, it doesn't look the same. Well, here's the thing is hair looks different in every single lighting, right? Yeah. Warm light's going to make it look one color and cool light's going to make it look another color. And so literally every place you go is going to make your hair look different. And so we would have people that would be like, well, I liked it when I was at the salon, but when I got home, it doesn't look the same. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, okay, did we do what you asked us to do? That was really the main thing. Did we do what you asked us to do and now you don't like it? Or did we do something that you didn't ask us to do and you don't like it? Because those are two different scenarios, correct? Yes, they are. And so I really would have to work through psychology with a lot of clients. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we gave you what you wanted. If you want us to fix it, you will have to pay for us to, or change it, I should say, not fix it. But if you want us to change it, then you'll have to pay for that service because it's a completely separate service. That's really interesting. Yeah, my wife is having her hair done right now as we speak. (laughs) So I hope it goes well for her. (laughs) Yeah, I hope she loves it. And I'm sure she will because she knows her hairdresser really well and they get along and they've always been happy with each other and all that kind of stuff. Now, I want to uh, kind of shift and I want to ask you about your new uh, focus on gluten-free recipes. And I know you have a a blog, a Facebook page, and you talk about gluten-free recipes. Have you been gluten-free your whole life or what? No. (laughs) (laughs) When did you find Um, out about this? I was dying on my inside. Um, In February 2019, I took a selfie. I was trying on some glasses and I took a selfie to send to some friends to be like, which which one do you like? And I was like, oh, my gosh, Stephanie, you are dying. Like, you are so sick. My face was so bloated. I I had even gotten to the point where I thought I was going to have to have eye surgery to open my eyes back up. Oh, wow. Wow. And I started working with a naturopath and she put me on what's called an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. And so that removes dairy, corn, soy, gluten, sugar, um, nitrates, preservatives. I mean, I literally made every single thing I put in my mouth for six weeks. And then she said, okay, let's start slowly adding some of these things back in. So I can tell you how they all affect me. Dairy um, gives me sores on my body and makes me bloated. It makes me really phlegmy in my throat. Yeah. Corn makes my skin itch. But gluten annihilates everything in my body. 
it, Does it? makes me very sick. Yes. Wow. And Not you look like so healthy now. Like you look so <laughs> vibrant and so healthy and, and your skin looks looks great and everything. So, wow, you've really made a huge difference in your life. Yes. It took me a year to accept that I had to be gluten-free. Oh, a full it? year from February to 2019 to February of 2020. So was it just I, that you couldn't buy it or was it that it was just too difficult to make the switch? Um, maybe a mix of both. I'm a okay. little bit stubborn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's um, so many things have gluten in them, right? Yes. Like, and isn't I that true? Like bread, crackers, so many processed foods. Is that basically what you have to eliminate? Yes. Yeah, so anything with wheat, barley, or rye. Right. So one of the sneaky things, two sneaky things, soy sauce has oh. gluten in it. Oh, does it? It does. And so you actually have to get gluten-free soy sauce. Um, but cocoa aminos is actually best. Co um, that's made out of coconut. So oh. that's actually a better alternative because it doesn't have soy either. But um, another sneaky one is Rice Krispie treats have barley. Or Rice Krispies have barley in them. Oh, So rice does not have gluten. So you would think I could eat Rice Krispies. Well, if you look at the ingredients, it has barley. Uh, so it uh, is not a gluten-friendly food. Oh, wow. And how it's did sugars things. How did sugars affect you? Sugar, um, I didn't notice a huge change in my body with sugar. However, I would say with my glucose, um, because it creates these peaks and valleys of your blood sugar, you get groggy. Um, and that was one thing that I think sugar, I noticed the most with sugar is I just feel groggy or, you know, I don't have the same energy level mm -hmm. if I'm ingesting sugar. Now, you can do honey and like maple syrup, natural sugars, because your body can process those. We're talking about refined sugar. Yes. Plain white sugar. Your body just, it it just doesn't process it. Right. And corn syrups are the worst, right? Yes. Because they're made out of corn, corn, the body doesn't digest corn. Um, right. That's why... I don't, I don't know uh, if this is appropriate for your people, but if you've ever had little children, they can poop whole kernels. Yeah. yeah. And it's because the body doesn't break corn down. And so corn yeah. is very, very difficult on the digestive system. And so right. corn syrup, even though it seems like it's natural, it's from corn. It's very, very, uh, it's kind of like a carburetor that has had gummed up gas in it. Mm. It doesn't run. Sugar does that to your system. It basically gums up within your system and your body can't run properly. That's a very interesting analogy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And so as you transitioned and, and decided to change your diet, how did mindfulness play a role in that? Because that's really difficult for a lot of people to do. So kudos to you. Thank you. Um studying. I mean, I, I literally had to be mindful about every single thing I put into my body. How is my body responding? Was I going to take ownership 
of how my body responded. Like I said, it took me a full year to accept I couldn't eat gluten. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like, even now I struggle with rebellious seasons where I'm like, oh. I love cheese. I'm just going to eat cheese. Right. Knowing that cheese is not good for me. Mm. And so, but, but I don't make excuses, right? I'm not like, oh, I just don't know what's wrong with me. I yeah. know what is going on. I'm deliberately choosing to make a bad decision for myself. And so I have to accept that, right? And I think part of the importance of, of your health, be it relationships or physical, is taking ownership of your actions and behaviors that right. go into those things. And do you cook yourself? Do you cook? I do cook. I love to cook. As a matter of fact, most people see my spice cabinet and they're like, wow, I never see this many spices. Oh, is that right? House. Well, spices yeah. can make up for the fact that you can't eat certain foods. Don't you think that's true? Oh, absolutely. You can take something super bland, super boring, and you put the right spices yeah. in it and you've just created a masterpiece. Yeah, it just comes alive. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Well, way to go. That's really impressive. And so as you changed your eating habits, what else happened? Did you lose weight or did weight shift on your body or did you notice other changes? So I had what is called chronic inflammation and I was literally on fire on my inside all the time. Wow. Um, I would walk out into 20 degree weather and it felt so good. Like it was just cooling me down. And I, I didn't really, I just thought I was hot natured. Right. I was just yeah. like, I'm just really hot natured. And, you know, I'd be sweating really easily. And now I'm not like that at all. And my husband says to me, sometimes he's like, I kind of miss my polar bear. Because <laughs> like, I'll be all wrapped up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm cold. And he's like, how are you cold? So I actually feel temperatures normally now. Uh, like so you're I not can cold be, now. Yeah. Or I'm not hot all the time. Right, right. I I can be in an ambient, comfortable 70 degree room and I'm perfectly comfortable in that room, even working, like even doing hair and standing behind the chair without feeling like I'm just melting on my inside. So removing the chronic inflammation changed everything. My, my body, um, as a matter of fact, my wedding ring is right on my middle finger now because it's too big for my ring finger. Because when I got married was November, 2018. So it was just four months after I got married when I realized how sick I was. So this ring, you know, doesn't fit this finger anymore. And um, and yeah, like my whole body has just shrunk because the inflammation has gone away. And so, um, it's been amazing. Like my eyes, you could actually wow. see my eyes. I did not have surgery to open my eyes up. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's incredible. It really is. Well, you live with a combined family of nine kids. And I was curious, what did all those nine children teach you about mindfulness? Oh, wow. Kids make you aware of everything, right? <laughs> yeah. All your good, all your bad, everything in between. Yeah. Um, And I would have to say... 
So I don't even know that I believe in the term blended family. I think blended family is an unrealistic expectation. So I've started calling us a swirly family because I'm a widow. My husband is a divorcee. He has an ex. He has a custody issue. I don't have any of those things. <laughs> so we have still very two distinct families. Mm-hmm but we're somewhat swirly in the middle, right? Okay. So there's certain areas that we've been able to blend together. And then there are certain areas that are just very separate and distinct. And so I feel like swirly family fits us so much better. And really with our children, um, like I pray with the kids a lot to be aware of our family and to treat each other with kindness and respect, because I think that that is probably one of the easiest places to glitch and fall when you're dealing with swirly families is just, we're not like each other. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of, um, I guess, overlook, you're just like, oh, that's not a big deal. It doesn't matter what they think or say. That's not how we do things. That's mm -hmm. not how our family does things. And so it can be very hard to create this um, sense of flow and normalcy. And I think that if we can acknowledge that it's difficult and that in some areas you're not going to find flow and you can remove that expectation, I think that's where mindfulness plays a big role is knowing that you might not ever be able to blend that spot, but it doesn't mean you can't find the place of grace there. Right, right. That's interesting advice. And is your 21-year-old son the oldest of all the children? He is the oldest. So it goes 21, 18, 16, twins that are 14, 12, 10, and 9. Wow, that's a oh, lot wait, of personality. I forgot my 15 year old. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm not surprised that you might forget one. That's a lot. It's a lot of human it beings. <laughs> it is a lot of human beings. And uh, you're, you're smiling so much, I can tell that it really lights you up to talk about them all. And something else that lights you up is jumping on your Harley. Tell me about yes. that and the mindfulness of going out in the open road and riding your bike. If you ever need a stress reliever, that's where you're going to find it. There is nothing like, so after I became a widow, I had five kids. I owned a business, you know, I had a storefront. Everything in my life was planning ahead. Every single thing, every moment was, I had to have the next week, the next month, the next three months, the next six months, the next year covered. Like, everything became so much about forward thinking and problem solving. And when you get on that motorcycle, all you're thinking about is that one moment that you're in, please don't let me wreck. <laughs> yeah. And you feel the wind and the breeze and the air is all around you and you're just present in the moment. And I think if anything about riding my Harley Davidson Sportster 48 
is that, is that she keeps me in the moment. Does she have a name? She doesn't. (laughs) I thought you might be the kind of person that would name your Harley. (laughs) She doesn't. I have so many friends that name their bikes. um, Now, do you wear a helmet or does your hair flow all the time when you ride? Oh no, I'm a I'm a full face helmet girl. I've been down twice on her oh, and my face both times would have been busted up. So oh. I am a full face well, helmet. Good for you. Wearer. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yes. Cuz you got to protect yourself. Got to look out for yes. yourself. Yeah. I probably would have lost my jaw right here yeah. if I had not had a full face on. Wow. Wow. I want to ask you about the topic of bullying because I worked in that field for a long time. And of course, with your house full of human beings, you probably have a story one way or another about bullying and how mindfulness might have made a difference. (laughs) I actually have one hilarious story. Um, So... My I, my 15-year-old, that's now 15, that I forgot to mention just a minute ago, uh, I guess he was probably about 13 at the time. And the twins that I said are now 14, I guess they were about 12 at the time. Uh-huh. So they're not that far apart in age. Right. Um, just a little over a year. And um, one of the twins was picking on my daughter he can he has a little bit of a habit of going after her a little Mm bit and so they had just gotten here from the week with their mom and he had already stepped on her in the hallway and she had cried she was i guess eight at the time and a little bit later that night um there was a scuffle again between the boys and my my son had hurt the twin and i was like what is going on and he said well he hurt her again and so i foolishly thought that mine and my husband's relationship was solid enough (laughs) That we could discuss this like mature adults. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it all went very poorly. And so I went out to the shop. He was out in the, in the shop we have in our backyard working. And, um, I was like, this is what happened. And he was intending on, he was like, well, I'm going to do that back to my kid right he was like i'm gonna do the same thing to him and i was like oh the heck you are touch my kid and you know i'm gonna kill you and so we get into it of course right because yeah. we're not that mature we're not able to disconnect like uh-huh. that yeah and so we both come inside and he takes his son off and i take my son off and i tell my son i'm like you did exactly what I would expect you to do, which is to protect your sister. Protecting your sister is always important. And, um, and I commend you for that because your heart was in the right place. However, you cannot headbutt your stepbrother. No, (laughs) that's not okay. No. And 
So I said, you've left me in a very interesting place because I don't necessarily want to punish you because protecting your, your sister is exactly what I would expect you to do. However, the way that you went about it is not ideal. And, you know, we need to resolve that. So what I did for his punishment was he had to watch a sermon with me every single night for a week. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was hilarious. At first he didn't mind by the end of the week. He was like, really, am I still going to have to do this? And I'm like, yes, for seven days, every day. And um, so I think acknowledging behaviors is really, really important. Right. But... Um, acknowledging the heart behind it is also very important. So to me, the twin did not have any good heart in the situation. He was just being a bully mm -hmm. where my son, though, he actually seemed like the bully. His heart was in the right place to protect his sister. And so I think being mindful of that and being aware, what is the motivation behind the behaviors is very different than just the surface behaviors themselves. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting story. Thanks for sharing that with us. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, as we move ahead in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a very powerful mindfulness influence in your life? I would have to say my mentor, Betsy, she has just been an amazing gift. She's not scared to call me out and tell me I'm being a jerk about something. And she just, she encourages me and loves on me. And she has just been a major gift. Wow, that's fantastic. That really is. My second question is about emotions. So how have your emotions been affected as a result of the mindfulness in your life? I'm definitely, so anger is like my favorite emotion, it seems. Oh. I tend to lean toward anger first. Um, and it has made me much more aware of that anger doesn't, anger can be a great propeller, right? Mm -hmm. So it had anger, I feel like, has the most power behind the emotion to, to create movement. However, anger also can dissolve quickly. And so I think there has to be a balance between um, how you handle your anger. So being very aware of my anger getting ahead of me and harming relationships has been very important. For me. Oh, that, that's really interesting. Let's talk about breathing. Are there any breathing techniques or suggestions about breathing that have helped you that are somehow related to mindfulness? I am learning more and more about deep breath. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. I was just writing last night. Um, I'm, I'm in the process right now about writing about my widowhood journey. Okay. And I can tell you um, when my husband died, that was one thing I couldn't do was breathe. Oh, wow. For months, I didn't feel like I could get a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate at this point being able to pull in a deep breath that actually I can feel on my inside mm -hmm. because I remember going through trauma and not 
being able to breathe. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a very scary feeling, isn't it? When you just feel like you cannot get that deep breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Now, um, your book—I've already mentioned it. Believing in boundaries uh, just came out this year. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Other than the Bible. <laughs> okay, so that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the Bible is the best place to really get the reflector Mm -hmm. of ourselves um, and to be aware of our prones. Right. Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like another good book is um, Feelings Buried Alive Never Die because it talks about how your feelings are attached to your body and how your body will respond Mm -hmm. to emotions and feelings. And who's the author of that book? Carol Truman. Okay. Carol is spelled with a K. Oh, okay. That's great. Well, I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So thanks for sharing that, Stephanie. And my last question is about apps. Are there any apps at all that you use that help you to feel more centered or more grounded or more mindful? I'm a music girl. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, my Spotify playlist is very, very important. I have everything from like cello because cello just kind of moves my soul Mm -hmm. in a completely different way to, um, you know, old, older songs that just brought me joy as a kid to, uh, more aggressive music, which is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And so my playlists really have been critical, um, for me to process and work through, I find that music is a lot my go-to when I need to sort myself. Sure, sure. Stephanie, I've really enjoyed talking to you a lot. This has been really interesting. I love your I love your passion for life and you know you're you're the kind of person that has a lot of spirit and a lot of oomph. You know, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to you about this. Do you have any final words of advice for our listeners today? I absolutely believe that doing the hard work of healing is worth it. Emotionally, mentally, physically, your diet, everything. Take the time to love yourself enough to... Take responsibility and do better. Good advice. Once you know, once you know, you never go back. Right. That's it. Awesome. Well, your website is thestephaniejordan.com. T-H-E-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-J-O-R-D-A-N. So Mindful Tribe, check out the website, check out the book, and thank you for listening. So thank you for being here, Stephanie. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've had a good time. I appreciate your sweet, kind words. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Bye now. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening today. I always appreciate it. You know, I don't know about you, I do quite a bit of writing and Grammarly helps me by quickly pointing out spelling or grammatical errors. I'm just grateful to have Grammarly as a sponsor. You know, using this tool, I can write faster and more accurately and you can get started with Grammarly for free. It works on desktop applications, it works on apps, social media, documents, messages, and emails. You can go ahead and use my affiliate link and get going right away. By using my link, it will benefit me, and at the same time, you get to try Grammarly for free. So here's the link, mindfulnessmode.com slash Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.